Ready to dive in? Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. Every episode, we explore, expand, and evolve our understanding of the truths we encounter and experience in our human quest for clarity and exponential growth. And now welcome your hosts, Dr. Jeffrey Smith and Jim Case. Welcome to Adventures in Truth Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Truth Podcast. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jim. Greetings, brother. Nice to see you again. Um, we're seeing a lot of each other lately as we're, uh, as we're embarking on uh, an extension of our adventure um, and, and an, a very strong arm of our adventure. Um, this is the, I believe, third podcast in the series that, that we have been developing on talking about handling and addressing the fear of death and, and particularly how to transform fear as opposed to transmitting fear, which we were just talking about. So in today's podcast, we're going to continue where we left off. So we're going to ask the listeners, guys, first off, if you haven't had a chance, please listen to the last podcast, the last three podcasts, as they are integral to the evolution that you are hearing in this podcast. So we're starting about two thirds of the way through the story of uh, Dr. Jeff's experiment with psilocybin or magic mushrooms and, and the extraordinary experiences that he was able to bring from that experience and, and talking about the impact of that uh, going forward into so many different dimensions with people who are suffering from traumas and PTSD and anxiety and, and just being able to get down to the roots of the, the, roots of the fears and, and being able to move them out. And part of that is this process, um, which right now is called the death pose. Whether we change that or not, we'll see, but at least it gives us an idea of what this is about. This is a download that occurred for, for Dr. Jeff that quite powerful and an amazing tool that we're in development of that will be coming via seminars and online possibilities and, and things. So we're very excited about it. Very excited that you're here to enjoy it with us and hopefully to learn a great deal about the whole process of fear, the process of death and dying and how those two are so integrately wound together and how our desire is to unwind them. <laughs> so we're very excited about that. I'd like to start where we've been starting with these podcasts because I think it'll help set the stage for you as our listener to kind of find a more find an opening to just sort of be in the energy of this process. And that is to take a look at the question about how you feel about death. Where does that register for you? Where does it register in your body? Take a minute and just take a couple deep breaths and just let yourself settle into the idea of it and just see what shows up. Don't try to manufacture anything. Don't try to be any particular way about it. Give yourself permission to just feel your way into it. It could be scary. It could be nothing. It could be associations with lots of things that you associate with death and dying. It could be a lot of fear stuff. There's all kinds of options and none of them are wrong. So just take a minute and breathe into that and be with us as we go into this journey so that you can see how it's applying to you and everyone out there who's listening because it's, it's quite profound. We're about to dive in uh, to this amazing process and come on and join us. And uh, Dr. Jeff, the journey is yours. Right on. Great intro and a good summary of the journey we've been on up to now. As we're really learning and getting trained to ask our listeners questions that you can be thinking about as you're listening along, because uh, this is for you. We're doing this for you, the listeners. Uh, we certainly enjoy it, but the ultimate is that we're able to share insights and information and stimulate growth and enlightenment and awareness um, in our listeners. So one of the clues that I can offer today that we are working toward is when Jim is asking you to think about your thoughts, feelings, experiences, sensations about your thoughts of death, how, how 
what came to me and the experience that I got to have was to make it easy, because that's actually kind of a hard thing to do. People might even be saying, what the heck are you talking about? I don't ever think about death. So yeah, so it's like, so because we're not consciously thinking about our death, you would do that at a funeral. You would do that, you know, th there are some times where it's like so in your face that you can't help but think about, I will have a turn at this at some point in my life. And we watch our loved ones and our friends and families take their turns as ours approaches. Uh, so when Jim's asking you, uh, what are your thoughts, what are your own thoughts and fears about your death? It, generally, we don't unless there's some kind of traumatic event that happens that forces us to do so. But here's something that everybody can relate to that you can easily answer the question, where is your pain? Where in your body are you holding on to pain? And again, this is tension. And that, that can be muscle tension in the shoulders, in the neck. It could be a headache. That's pain, right? It could be anxiety. That's pain. I mean, all these diseases. Remember, there's ease and its opposite, which is disease. Now, of course, we think of disease like heart disease or, you know, uh, stones, uh, IBS, you know, some of these kind of cancer, those sorts of diseases, but there's mild, moderate, and severe levels of dis-ease. But all of that can be thrown in the category of pain. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that every disease is painful, but it would be mentally painful to know that you're in and you have a disease, right? So mm -hmm. all of it can be thrown into the basket, bucket, or under the umbrella of pain. So a question we can now begin to ask people is to where is your pain in your body? Is it in your ankle, your big toe, your right fing your finger, again, behind your left eye, under your right scapula? Is it in your right hip, left hip? <laughs> we all have pain. As we talked a little bit in our last podcast, in my opinion, we are fear sponges. We absorb it. And from all walks and places and ways of life, from the music we listen to, the shows we watch, the things we read, the conversations we have, the political environment we're in, the climate change that's going on is largely all fear-based. We don't have solutions for these things, so we're not sure how they're going to unfold. And that stimulates our ego because it's wonderful for helping us through a crisis and an idea of limited resources. So all of that is fear-based and kind of how the whole thing works in our mind. So what we're now able to do is to simplify this whole process is just ask people, where's your pain? Take a moment, do some breaths, and just notice, where are you hurting? Whether it's a little bit of hurt through discomfort, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm noticing right now, my lower, lower back right down here. So just, it's not hurting, but I can sense that it won't be much longer as I'm sitting in this chair before it starts to get stiff and sore. Well, what is that? That's actually what we've been talking about is fear at some subconscious unconscious level that is manifesting itself in my body in the form of pain. And so now what we have, and as we're going to continue going through and sharing with you guys is a technology in the form of a protocol to help us trans. I always want to say transfer, but it's actually transform, transform the physical pain back into a metaphysical belief system that we call fear and then change and exchange fear. So fear is a thought. So it's going to have some negative thought that we're going to then begin to switch out with truth, which is the whole basis of our podcast. We are adventures in truth. We have a belief that love and truth are synonyms. They're the same thing. If you're operating in love, mm -hmm. you are living a life in truth. If you are operating in truth, you're living a life in love. They're synonymous. They're not, there's nothing different between them. And the opposite is just the true, is just, the, is just as true. If you are living lies or you're living belief systems and you're living a system in your life that any, is in any way less than 100% truthful, we would call that a distortion of truth. So if there's any distortion of truth, you would put that in the category of a lie. Again, there's little lies and there's big lies. But in any case, a lie is synonymous with fear the same way that truth is synonymous with love. 
So if you followed me through all of that, and in the near future, we'll have a model that you can actually visually see how, how this works. So you have pain, you can identify that in your body. And then we're asking through this protocol that we're going to share, you'll be able to see where it came from and why, how that's connected to fear. And then you'll be able to explore, is that true in my life right now? Do I really need to be afraid of this right now? Let's take the building of the wall, for example. Everybody knows what the wall is, but does that directly impact your life? Do I need to be afraid in any way, shape or form about how my tax dollars are going to get used or not, whether the wall is going to get built or not, what its real purpose is? That really, that could be irritating, bothersome, frustrating. It could be fraud, but it really doesn't need to generate fear for us individually. The wall gets built, the wall doesn't get built. If it gets built, someday it'll be something like the Great Wall of China. It'll be a thing. People go see it. <laughs> but it it's not anything to be afraid of. A unless I'm wrong, unless there's something about this I don't know, uh, that somebody may email us or text us or call or something. But I'm just using that as a generic example of how much all I have to do is say the wall and everybody knows what I'm talking about. And it creates great unrest, distrust, and it's, we don't, we don't even really know what the agenda is, which is all kind of like lies, right? I mean, it's like, what is the truth about the wall? We don't really know, but it's not something we have to be afraid of. And when we bring that up into our conscious mind and say, I don't need to be afraid of anything that has to do with the building of the wall or the not building of the wall, then I can let that go. And I notice by doing this protocol, which we've not really done yet, we will go through it by the end of this podcast. And if not this one, certainly the next one, you will get to a point where you can release that and you'll notice that the pain abates in the body. It literally will lessen. And then you go, oh my gosh. So you're telling me that belief system was actually showing up in my body in that place. And now it's not there. That, that's freaking amazing. And if you can do it with a sore back, you can certainly do it with a throbbing headache. You can do it over time with some sort of a prolonged disease or a chronic pain, but you have to get good at it. It's like, you know, you don't learn Mozart playing the piano once a day or for three days in a row. It's something that you have to do hours and hours and hours and for many years mm -hmm. if you're talking about treating a chronic pain this way. Well, and, and if I could jump in. Please do. It's important to understand a couple things. One, the just as a clarification, because I was hearing the um, about the lie synonymous with fear and it's understanding that the lie is covering the fear. So understand that the lie, the belief, the whatever it is, the concept, it's just there to cover the fear. Um, and the, the second piece of that, what was the last thing you said? Shoot. Just now? Yeah. Or, about being able, I, I don't know, we we're talking about the process of whether it's a little bit or a lot, you know, Mozart and the piano and how long it takes to learn it and apply it. That was the last thing I was talking yes. about. Yes. And the thing about time that's so important is while in many cases, when people have acute situations or chronic situations, uh, whether it's, you know, whatever the pain is, understand that the pain is, was in order for you to be at a level of pain that you're at now has been an evolutionary process, just like everything else. So the pain may have begun in earnest in your experience where you became highly conscious of it a year ago, but the pain has been in creation for much longer than that. And the fact that it is now physical means that you have used a lot of focus and a lot of energy over the duration, over a long duration of time to make that energy that was originally whatever it was became a thought, became an idea, became a belief system, became a repetitive thought process, became a practice belief system, became a, a way of life that became your physical body. So I want to just want to iterate how important it is to understand for, for you guys out there. This is not about, oh, well, I don't understand. Why is it going to take time? you know, I've only been in pain for six months. No, you've been in physical pain for six months. You've been in pain for way longer than that. <laughs> it just took that long in the process and the evolution of that energy for it to become manifest.
physically. Right. So remember that you're unraveling and, and not only that, the pain that you are experiencing is likely multiple strands. It's not just one thing. It's a thing that we, we tend to lump. We're human beings. We like to lump things together in knots and balls and yarns. And you know, so it's not always going to be that one thing. So you're going to peel that level off and that's going to release the energy. You're going to peel the next level off. It's going to release more energy. And you will peel as deeply and as powerfully as you're ready to, to integrate for. So just understand, and as we go forward, we'll repeat this and talk about it more, but getting to where you are took a lot of time. Getting where you want to get to is going to take more time and understand that's not, that's not a manipulation. That's just the reality of energy. Absolutely. So I'd like to shift the conversation to pick up the story of my shamanistic plant-based medicine experience that took place um, almost a month ago. Um, when last we spoke, I was standing by a campfire somewhere around midnight uh, in the middle of, Jan uh, middle of December, late December. Um, I had gone out there barefoot with sweatpants rolled up to my knees without a shirt on and was nice and toasty next to the ocean or near the ocean in Encinitas in, De in uh, December, which is not toasty for those of us that live here. <laughs> I was in a state, as Jim reminded me prior to us hitting the record button, in a state of post-orgasmic bliss from going through about 20, up to this point, about 20 past life deaths that were revealed to me through pain that I had been carrying in my body. And I got to get instruction on how to create a moment of death pose to accentuate the pain and then was able to alleviate it over and over and over again without fail to the point where my body was in a state, it's just, there really aren't words to describe the freedom. Uh, that's, that's the word that comes to mind. The, the state of freedom and bliss is definitely another word. And just connection and love and oneness. Even though I had been eaten by lions, stabbed by a centurion in my foot, stabbed in the back by a friend with a knife or a bayonet, a sword, uh, I'd been run over by a chariot. I'd had a big rock rolled across me. I had been bent over backwards on some kind of a torture device and eviscerated my bowels being taken out in public. And just all of these experiences, you, you would think that I'd be quivering, like cuddled up in the middle of the yard out there, going out of my mind in the fetal position, begging for relief from these horrors that I'm witnessing but it was the complete opposite. It was complete liberation and freedom from me carrying these things from life to life to life in the subconscious unconscious mind and then showing up in my body because I don't even know why I hurt. Just like you, you know, listeners, you hurt sometimes and you don't even know why. We, we make things up where we have, you know, if you go to a back specialist they will be able to tell you a thousand stories when somebody comes in and they cannot walk and the doctor will say, what did you do? And they'll say, I bent over and now I can't stand up. And it's like, oh, you mean you didn't lift anything? You didn't fall? You didn't turn a certain way? Nope, I bent over and now I can't stand up. Okay, so <laughs> mechanically, it's not, it's not a mechanical physical issue. It's all of a sudden the body puts it all together and the energy system shifts around and the nerves get stimulated and that's pain that's showing up from the fear that we've been carrying. And so you'll get a manipulation, shoot, you might even get surgery and then it just moves somewhere else because the fear is still there. So we're well past the point in our podcast now and in our dialogue that we're not going to continue seeking physical solutions to a metaphysical problem. So now here I am by the campfire. I've had all these experiences. I am more in love with myself and with God and the universe and the fire and the logs and the fire pit and the trees and the air and the bushes. There was a true unity that I was experiencing. 
and I was warm outside in the middle of the night with hardly any clothes on. Just, I really, and before going out there, I really thought I was levitating. I don't think I was. Nobody told me that I was, but it just felt like my body was so light, like there was just nothing to it. Mm -hmm. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. And I realized that that was able to be created in my mind to have that experience had really nothing to do with reality and physics. It was just a, an ability to get there in my mind. And my goal was to be able to do it again the next morning or in the morning after the medicine had worn off. We'll get to that part in the journey, but that was repeatable or replicatable, which is an important thing to do as a scientist and a practitioner in the behavioral arts is you want to be able to replicate these things and duplicate them. So it's not just a one-off. Right. So here I am with my back to the fire, not wanting this moment to end. And I'm looking up in the sky at this point, and I'm looking at these beautiful eucalyptus trees at this place in their backyard, noticing the stars, feeling the air, hearing the crackle of the fire behind me, just in this amazing space. And I look up about 20 feet above me and I notice these black rectangular geometric shapes that just appeared. They looked like they were coming out of the branches of the trees and they looked like giant Lego blocks that were solid and black and in uniform and they were at a diagonal and they began to slowly move toward me and they got smaller and smaller and smaller as they moved toward me. And I'm just watching this going, this is the coolest thing I've seen in the last couple decades. Because it just showed up. And as they got like within six inches of my nose, I had the awareness that they're shaping the retina of my eye. They're shaping my vision to be able to see something that's right in front of me that I've not been able to see without the assistance of this focus exercise that God or the universe was bringing to me. Mm -hmm. And so in the moment where all that got to the right size, it stopped and then those went away and what showed up in its place, it's like all of a sudden I got into focus like you're adjusting binoculars and it's fuzzy. And then all of a sudden it's just crisp, clear, clean focus of, I can't really remember if they were five sided or six sided, either pentagram or whatever six is hectogram, hectagon shaped dime sized wafers of energy that were all connected together like a blanket, but it was wavy and they were, translucent and transparent that you could see through them. I could still see the bushes and the trees and the outbuildings and the temple that was around me, but I could see all of that energy. And I, I don't know if that was chi or prana or whatever we call that, but it was just this, I could see it in my breath. I could see it in the fire. I could see it in the thermal energy coming off the fire. Everything was connected by it. There wasn't any space that wasn't connected by that energy. And I, I just literally, I remember my eyes starting to water as I finally got to see stuff I've been reading about for decades that Einstein talked about ether. Uh, Hawkins talked about heat ether. I mean, so many different people have, and you know, the ancient wisdoms that I've studied over the years of chi and prana uh, energy, if you will, in our vernacular, it was like, wow, this is, this is real. I'm, I'm able to see this now. Thank you. What, whatever was making this happen, there was an attitude and expression of gratitude for that experience. And I just sat with it for a while. And I, again, I didn't want it to end. Um, have you had any experiences like that, Jim? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, when I, uh, uh, made my journey to Peru, um, the last ceremony that we did, uh, was a San Pedro cactus ceremony, which is very similar to mescaline. Um, it's, uh, <clears throat> it is a, a cactus that they go through. Actually, uh, Michael got to participate in the preparation of the San Pedro medicine, um, with the shaman because he was, uh, 
he was offering for people who were interested in seeing the process. But anyway, um, so I had gone through at that point, I had been through three ayahuasca experiences and they were profound and uh, actually had a, a, a full scale uh, a Kundalini awakening process through that. But the process at the end of the third ayahuasca ceremony, uh, that process wasn't finished. And I, and I knew it wasn't finished. I could feel it wasn't finished. It was, it had sort of gotten stuck um, because part of the Kundalini release process is that uh, as the energy begins to release in, in the lower, in the lower chakras, the, the chakras, the locks open they're, I think they're called locks and the locks as the energy moves up in a controlled environment, technically that's the processes is that you, you are able to focus your energy in such a way that the movement of this energy moves through these locks in your, in your energy system. And it stopped just about uh, just after the solar, just at the solar plexus. And it didn't stop because I, not, I just, I guess it was a, an integration process. So we were in the, uh, we were in the yurt, um, doing this uh, this last ceremony, and interestingly enough, the ayahuasca ceremony is is divine feminine, um, is the way the, the shamans describe it. It's a divine feminine experience. The 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 uh, cactus experience is actually a divine male experience. It's a very masculine energy. We did that particular ceremony during the day, in a yurt, where the ayahuasca process was always done in the evening and in in a you know in a in an environment that was created by the shaman. And this was also created by the shaman, but in a different context. So we had taken the medicine and I was on the floor and, and uh, one of the facilitators came in and started to play the crystal bowls. And the crystal bowl was one of the things I think that created a trigger in the ayahuasca ceremony that started the process. Well, something about that crystal bowl sent me right up that, that channel again. And, uh, it opened up all of the things that had been happening. And part of that was a, a whole pattern of breathing. And, um, uh, I couldn't stop shaking. Um, I was kind of like on the floor kind of convulsing, but it wasn't painful. It was, it was just this Im immense energy that was just coursing through my body and through my energy system. And I was just so tuned to it that I couldn't help but but move with it, and the part of the problem was that it was very very overwhelming. And the 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 gal at uh, El Camino Sagrado, which is where we were doing the ceremonies, who who runs the facility, is also helps to co-facilitate. Um, she had been instrumental in helping me navigate uh, through the the after effects of, of the ayahuasca experience um, and, and being able to process it because I, I really went there. Um, uh, but the San Pedro process, once that happened and I was back in that space, uh, I felt like I needed her presence to help me because I, I, she was one anchor that would help me stay present. <laughs> and so she came, she gathered me, we got me up to walk around and we were walking, uh, we were walking around the yurt and then we were heading to go outside to get fresh air and Jason one of the guys that was there pulled back the flap he was standing outside waiting for me and was ready to take me and help me get outside and I was struggling to walk it was that intense and as soon as he opened that door I broke down into massive galing sobs of 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 the like I've never experienced in my life I mean it was a it was it came from the bottom of my being through every part of my being. It was just, it was extraordinary. But what was driving that was this experience of needing to cross this threshold to step out of this yurt. But it was so profound because it wasn't just about that. It was about stepping out of my experience and stepping out of what I knew. And, and the whole thing was just so completely mind-blowing and overwhelming. And I didn't know that I was ready for it. That was really the experience at that time was, I don't know if I'm, I don't know that I'm prepared. I don't know if I'm ready. And, and, and that brought up existential fear. <laughs> you know? It was just, it was, it was everything. And as we stepped out the door um, of, of the yurt onto the ground, as soon as my foot felt the earth, I thought I was going to completely lose my mind. I have never felt energy that intense and that impactful ever. In, I mean, 
as soon as my foot touched the ground, I could feel everything in the earth. I could feel everything. And, and, I, and, and going on during this time, I had a person holding me on my left side, a person holding me up on my right side. I had a person behind me ready to guide me. I had two people in front of me because I, the energy that was coursing through my body was so intense that I would, I would put my foot down. The earth energy would course through my body. It would cause that breath that I told you about that happened in the other, pro, in the other ceremony, that, that dying process. It would cause that breath to come on in such a way that it convulsed my entire body and I lost control of my entire body for that moment. And so everybody was there kind of holding on and making sure I was getting there. And they literally only had to walk me about 20 feet outside of the yurt. And then they were like, okay, we're just going to set you here on the grass. It was up on the top of a hill um, and, and the main complex was down below. And so we were sitting on this hill and I had, everybody was kind of hanging out around and I couldn't stop the energy. I was, it was, I was racked and breathing and convulsing. And, and uh, one of the other guys, Tomo went and got uh, his, he had these uh, stakes, but they were, uh, they were some kind of medicine stakes from somewhere. I don't know where they were from, but he brought them so that he could slam them into the ground so that I could hold them. So I could channel the energy back into the earth. Um, when that happened, um, Michael was sitting there and there were two or three other people sitting there and they all went, did you guys feel that? We're like, feel what? And I'm still holding on for dear life. And they said, everything under us just shook. I just felt the earth shake under us. And I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm like trying to hold on for dear life. And then that moment handled for for a little while and and then we were trying we it was it was getting dark and we had to get off the hill because it was getting dark and i was having trouble walking and i couldn't keep my feet on the earth for very long and so they stood me up and were helping to walk me down the hill after that experience and he'd given me two afterwards he gave me two uh spherical crystals uh, uh i can't remember what the stone was i have i still have my mind that i bought because i use them in meditation sometimes and as soon as they picked me up and we were starting down the hill, I looked up and there was a shooting star that, that screamed across the, the, the mountain in front of us. And again, I felt it. I've never experienced anything like that. I felt the power and the immensity of that shooting star. And it literally took my breath away and everybody had to stop because I couldn't function for about three minutes while this, the energy of that star passed and I was or that meteor. And I was like, Holy crap. It took us three hours to get down the hill. Um, and the yurt to the building where we were having dinner, maybe two or 300 feet. <laughs> not like, not like a mile away, like down the hill. It took us three hours to get down the hill before I could, uh, before I could start even considering functioning. And then we, we got down to the dining room. Um, and, the next thing was that I felt like I needed to share the energy. And so I would, I just asked anybody who wanted some of the energy to come and I would just wrap my arms around them and just envelop them in the energy. And as soon as we'd separate, they'd just stand back and go, holy crap. <laughs> because it was so ex extraordinary. Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, that was only one little bit of my week long experience. And, and so, yeah, I, I've, I've had fairly similar experience. That was awesome. So that same sensation of being connected and particularly with energy flowing through you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> that idea of connection and, and oneness and, you know, being, being one with everything that was around and, and, and attempting to integrate that experience. Um, Cause it's huge. I mean, to, to be able to, to take in that amount of energy is, is, um, is, is a huge, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's just huge, <laughs> huge in the sense that it's, it's just when you get to experience the enormity of, of who you are in energy in relation to the rest of the energy that's in, that you're involved with and realizing that it's all part of the same energy focused differently there are no words because it's, it's, it's so, it's so beyond this little brain's comprehension. 
Um, and this isn't really a little brain, but it doesn't, it, it, it makes it challenging to find adequate words to describe the, the, the enormity of that experience. Right. <clears throat> so we're back, we're still around the campfire and there's now been a revelation of unity that has literally changed my God, what is the right word here? <laughs> it, it, again, it's just hard to hard to describe it because I'm I'm just a novice at being able to see what I got to see and feel what I got to see and feel. Um, perception, you know, just doesn't seem to quite be adequate to describe what changed for me with regard to oneness, allness, unity, connection. Uh, I've believed this consciously for the last decade, being able to see it and feel it brought it over, you know, from the left side of the mind where it's abstract and in thought and concept. And it brought it over into the right side of the mind where the senses could actually engage it and make it real. So I, I think tell that's, if, tell me if this helps, helps that description at all. I the word that was screaming through my mind was the shift from perception to complete awareness. Yeah. Um, so there's no there's no sense of it's it's 100 percent focused, but not in the way we're used to focusing via perception. So it's not this pinhole of perception. It's this enormity of awareness. And one of the things that we used to talk about uh, in in higher brain living uh, was the, the result of the process. The result of of this whole deal is that that the evolution that we are experiencing is the is is for lack of a better way to say it god seeing itself for the first time god being able to look back and seeing itself which is what the whole evolutionary process is about and that that moment is the moment of the recognition of that in self so it was it was self seeing god seeing self all at the same time so capital s self meeting God in conjunction with smaller S self. <laughs> yeah. That helps at all, but that's, that's sort of where I go with it. I like awareness and I'm thinking like, you know, I'm vaguely aware of what time it is. However, if this were happening and we were talking about time as the subject, I had an experiential awareness of what time it was that engaged the senses that I had that were available to me to engage it. So it was a, an experiential awareness would be a couple of words. I'd like to try to express mm -hmm. and explain that. Mm -hmm. So after I sat with that or stood with that for a while, <clears throat> and the, the other thing that's really worth noting is there was no sense of cold. There was no sense of pain. There was no sense of, time, although I knew it was the middle of the night and I knew nobody else was around. But I must have been out there for an hour or so because I remember putting extra logs on the fire. These were hard eucalyptus logs, not pine that burns real quickly. Uh, but again, just a very blessed experience. And then as something directed my attention in the vertical, and as I looked up, I began to see this swirling mass of energy. So all those other dime size Pentagon woven fabric energy pockets, whatever they are, uh, began to make like a cloud above my head, about only about two feet above my head as I looked up. It's like beyond my ability to reach for it, just beyond my ability to reach for it and touch it, there was a horizontal plane of energy that began to form and it was black but it was also gray and some white it was just kind of like swirling around in a very beautiful nautilus shape that was the first thing that came to my mind is like wow that's all absolutely all the angles are perfect and it's just like you, you couldn't make it any more beautiful than it was and then in the very center of it, it had an aperture of about maybe three inches that was closed. And, and it itself was like a mechanical aperture in a camera that is able to 
not go this way, but it 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 can open and close from small to big. It was kind of like spider's legs being open or closed, uh, but cylindrical. And it was closed, and I noticed that it was just now moving right over the top of my head. It like came from high, and then it was just like hovering over my head. It amassed in a focal point above my head. And for some reason, I was just encouraged to stop looking at it and to lower my head and now kind of just look straight in front of me. And as I began to breathe, I had this not ability to see with my eyes, but I was able to see what was happening above me as like a white beam of light, like that aperture opened and there was like a beam of light that started to move down through my cranium and crown chakra and I could just feel it start to penetrate you know down through my neck and past my thyroid and into my chest cavity and down my thorax and all the way down through the tailbone and it went into the ground and I had a sense that it went about two feet into the ground and it was this solid beam of white light and it was again joyous radiant blissful and then as I breathed in, it went up. And as I breathed out, it went down. And I, I began to giggle and laugh going, it's kind of crude in a way, but it's like, I'm getting an energetic enema is, is what it, I'm, I'm getting like flushed out. And it was just like a brush moving up and down and cleaning this out. And I didn't even know I needed to be cleaned out. <laughs> but it was happening. And I could just kind of sit there with it and and just play with it. And it was, I don't know what it was. I'm again, I'm not an expert. At, I'm sure some people that study this would be able to identify exactly what that was and talk about it and help me understand it more. But again, it was very pleasurable and it, it enhanced or it in, yeah, it brought about an additional level of, of energy and love into my being. And it helped me see that I was more energetic than I was physical. I think that's the key part of it is that it really helped me see that I'm a being of energy stuffed into this physical, chemical, biological thing. Any thoughts about you seen that heard about it had something like that yourself? Um, not that particular thing. I mean, although you I think you your description of it was pretty adequate as far as, you know, sort of like the idea of, a, of an energetic cleaning out um but no i mean uh, that was my thought was oh that was a good description <laughs> you answered your own question jeff that's what it was <laughs> okay and i kind of got the sense that we should be doing that periodically like like it was a maintenance thing or like it was the end of the journey uh, as far as the medicine it was like a clean out of my experience with the medicine I'll tell you, interestingly enough that you say that because, um, you know, you and I have talked about uh, the, that I do this process every day, twice a day. And, and, but one of the parts of my evening process is uh, I, I take to uh, imagining or, or as I'm sitting in meditation, I, I imagine myself sitting in the middle of a giant sun. And I just, I, I just feel the energy of that sun. And then as I breathe, I breathe the fire through my solar plexus and then I use my breath to expand the fire through my field to incinerate any debris that's laying in my field and, and anything that's, that's there that doesn't belong there, that doesn't need to be there, but it comes from the physical out into the energetic experience. So there are times when I can actually see the masses of energy or masses of density in my field and then I focus the fire and, and breathe it through my field and just watch those things kind of break down. And as we talked about earlier, they don't always break down and just go away. I usually, what I find is that if I see some, some cloudiness, I'll start, you know, I'll, I'll let the fire focus through it and it'll take some of it. And sometimes it'll take all of it. Sometimes it'll only take some of it, but that, once I complete that process and I feel that fire has penetrated my field as far as it can, I shift the energy and I ask that sun then to provide the white light energy and I do the same process and bring it up through my body, breathe it out 
and now let the white that let that white healing energy penetrate my field to soothe and to heal and integrate the shifts that have just taken place by the fire having shifted through that. Um, and I find it's highly impactful um, for keeping me dialed into my field, but also really understanding where things hide and sit in my energy field and how I have the ability to shift and move those by focusing my energy and, and using universal energy to do that. <laughs> so it sounds like we're talking about something very similar. Yeah. <laughs> We keep running into these little intersections. <laughs> yeah. What what was uh, what I felt so grateful for is if I would have read that in a book or maybe even heard it like people might be hearing this for the first time in a podcast, um, the experience of it was at least ten times the value of maybe hearing it described or reading it in a book or even attending a workshop where you're trying to manifest this without the assistance of the medicine. Mm -hmm. So again, we're just so grateful that whoever directed that to me to have that experience or whatever directed it, I, I'm in tremendous gratitude for uh, just letting me have the experience. And that that's a new level of knowing, you know, there's an intellectual no level of knowing and there's also a, an experiential sensing level of knowing and that all came together for me. So then after that, it was like, I, I don't know if I can handle anything more. It was, I really got this sense of I'm full at this point. And, <laughs> and I began to feel um, aware of others moving around me. And I remember the shaman said that people could leave after the medicine wore off or they were welcome to spend the night. But I, I have a, some recollection of people moving around me, but I wasn't connecting with anybody. And I remember I had to go to the bathroom and I made my way into the house and found the toilet just fine and uh, was able to relieve myself that way. And, and then I was really thirsty. I probably drank two quarts of water after that. And then I was moved to go back into the temple. And I found my writing pad that we were encouraged to bring with us to capture our experiences. And I felt drawn to just make my way straight to the altar, this big, beautiful altar they had, maybe eight feet wide and about five feet tall and several layers. I might've described it previously in other podcasts, but mm -hmm. uh, there were two cushions and I pulled them next to each other and just sat in the lotus position. And I'm laughing right now because Jeff doesn't do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a practice of doing that in my life. But that's, that's what I was absolutely directed to do. And I started laughing at myself in the beginning, because I don't know if it's left over right or right over left. And you know, there's, there's kind of a technique or a way to do that. And I was struggling with it. And I couldn't remember is it, or is it these two fingers or at these two fingers. So I just played with it and kind of felt my way through. Depending on what energy you're trying to create. <laughs> but I noticed that I was still kind of all, my, my shoulders were up, my knees were up, they were probably 12 inches off the ground. And then I felt all this pain again in my body. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I thought we just got rid of this. Why is it back here again? And then so I started doing some of the exercises right there in front of the altar of finding the pain, holding the pose, releasing it, going through the protocol. And little by little, maybe within an hour, um, my knees were actually on the floor, completely on the floor. Like I somehow was able to do a technique of, you know, people that do this for decades, eventually stretch out their hamstrings and mm -hmm. all the tendons and ligaments. But mine completely relaxed. I remember being in a state of complete relaxation. And I also felt all this tension in my lower back and I just got this notice, well, sit up straight. And I sat up straight and I got really nice alignment and the curvature of my back was just so that there was like this, it didn't take any energy. There was, there was no energy needed to sit that way. And when I first got into it, I'm like, I'm all bound up and trying to hold and sit that way. And then literally an hour into it, it was completely effortless. And so now this is another hour 
more that the medicine is worn off and I'm still in this state of awe and bliss and love. And I just was inspired to grab my tablet and start documenting what my experience was. And that's when the protocol actually came together for me. Um, and we can, we can talk about that or maybe this is another time to take a break. I don't, I don't know really where we want to go with that, but I want to talk about the protocol. That'll probably take 20 minutes or so to get into that. And then uh, some of the next morning debrief and also the couple days after all the stuff that came to me that is probably another podcast just to capture what happened after the ceremony. The only thing that I remembered, uh, I probably would be good to go to the protocol as its own deal. Um, Cause then you can just kind of start at point A and, and we'll end at point D or whatever it is. Uh, I, you did mention yesterday as we ended our podcast um, in the last podcast was about the sharing. Um, there was some, it sounded like there was going to be sharing around the fire, but that didn't happen. So um, I wasn't sure what you were referencing uh that that was important for some reason. Oh yes. The um, debrief the next morning. So we could do that part and we can do the protocol then tomorrow or another day. Sure. So just to kind of finish, we won't go through the protocol, but I sat there at the altar until the sun came up. So that was probably five or six hours of sitting in that position effortlessly and painlessly the entire time. And I remember asking my prayer was, so if we back up to the very beginning, we stated an intention. And my intention was, should I be involved with this project in Los Angeles around cleaning up Skid Row and helping the homeless rehabilitate themselves and have places to live? As well as my prayer was, who's going to help with the effort? And then my card was the forgetting card that got placed in the vase of the plant-based medicine. And so all that came together. But the answer to my prayer was, as I'm sitting there in the lotus position, if that, is that what they call it? The lotus position? Okay. Um, Some call it Indian style. Okay. Would that be North American Indian? <laughs> I think it didn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Bad humor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I remember Indian style from when I was a kid. Um, but I think Lotus is what it evolved to. <laughs> so I remember sitting there at the point where it, it came back to me of, we're going to be debriefing say around nine o'clock in the morning. It's now like six o'clock in the morning. I've been sitting there documenting all of this and just continuing to breathe and be in this amazing place, completely wide awake, not, not asleep at all. And Oh, by the way, still shirtless, still sockless. And you know, now it's early morning. It's colder than it has been all night long in that time. And, and there's still me just sitting in this kind of outdoor structure, just completely fine. Um, but I remember having this experience of my eyes were closed and I was in this meditative state of who's going to help, who's going to help. And I could see different people I've met in my life that might want to be involved in this project. And then I was inspired to just open your eyes, open your eyes. And when I opened my eyes, there were eight masters and we're talking Jesus, Krishna, Yogananda, Babaji, <laughs> and four or five others that I can't name right now, they were all looking at me like nodding their heads saying, we are going to help you. Ooh. And it literally made me start crying. Yeah. It made me start crying. <laughs> I could not believe that. It was just so powerful that they wanted to help and are going to help. You know, yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, one of the things they talk about a lot in, in uh, law of attraction, which is that <clears throat> they reinforce this a lot that we here in the physical reality are the leading edge, that everything is focused on us and that everyone who's on the other side, everyone who's transitioned, all of that energy is focused on us moving 
that leading edge forward as we continue to expand thought and expand idea and expand consciousness. And that that's such a, an, an amazing, uh, an amazing, uh, um, uh, uh, what's that word? Uh, uh, the, when something supports something else, um, recognition, uh, validation, validation, there it is. Uh, just such an amazing validation of, of that whole concept. Um, because it, it makes total sense. We're, we're the, the, the people that are here, the ones that have incarnated are incarnated in this incredible environment. And here we are on the leading edge, moving thought forward, moving creation forward, whatever all that is in our own way here. And that's just, that's spectacular, spectacular. And, and probably a really good place to, to uh, find closure today. <laughs> I got to talk to the gods and, and, and it was a good day. <laughs> oh my goodness. I absolutely love that. Um, so is, is there, is there anything to complete with that particular aspect? Um, no, it just, it really blew my mind how the shaman had set it up, created the space, has a, a system that they go through that process and that both the intention, the prayer, the card, and where it was placed on the altar all came together in like a perfect revelation. And I rem after I got the whole, we're going to help you, actually it was put to me this way, only us. <laughs> Who, who's going to help? And the answer was, <laughs> open your eyes, only us. Yeah. Only us, that's all, just us. Just us. So that's a little bit of my own humor spun into that, but that's kind of how they joined me in that humorous place of, oh, just us. That's all. Yeah. Do you need any more help than that? <laughs> and I got the answer. Absolutely. Yes. I'm supposed to be involved with this for multiple reasons. And since that time that actually has come into play, uh, agreements have been struck and arrangements have been made and there's a shift in my time and what I'm doing with all of that. Uh, and the forgetting card, you know, when I first was like, what is this? How's this going to fit in? Yep. But as we go through the protocol in the next uh, podcast, uh, the forgetting card was an integral piece in the protocol. It's one of the major steps in having these near death moments of death experiences and then being able to forget it out of your consciousness, out of your energy system. It's like, because we don't live, we don't live where there's wild animals any longer. So there's no need for me to think about ever needing to be concerned about noticing if lions are around. And we don't live with spears and swords and daggers. That that's gone. We're we're not there any longer. So all that can drop away and free up space for there to be light and love in the place of fear and pain. How's that for a summary? There you go. That's a beautiful thing. Um for, for all of you wonderful people out there that are, are following along on our deep dive here and our adventure, we appreciate you um, first off. But as a way of completing this process, just take a moment, um, as, as Jeff had and I had earlier, we talked a little bit about being with death and being with pain um, and kind of figuring out where that lingers with you. And now take a minute to breathe into this experience that you've just heard about. Um, and, and what is it? What is it doing to those experiences that you have had now? Um, how, how has this dive helped to better clarify or has it made it muddier? Has it made it, what, where are you now? So I'll ask you all to kind of feel your way into that and, and uh, join us again on our next adventure as we go into the actual structure of this process uh, so that you can get a, even a little deeper feel of what's going on with this. Um, I don't know that there's anything else to the, to recap because that was a great recap of, of where we're at. But uh, as, as always, you can find us on all the major podcast outlets, um, uh, podcast addict and Spotify and iTunes and Deezer and Stitcher and all those guys. Um, our website, www.adventuresandtruthpodcast.com. You can catch all our episodes there. If you want to see us in action um, as we're doing the podcast, you can check out, uh, our YouTube page of the same name. You, uh, 
YouTube page of the same name, you. No, <laughs> Adventures in Truth podcast. As always, Jeff, uh, an amazing, amazing dive and a great conversation and looking forward to our next episode and, and breaking this open even more. Absolutely, Jim. Blessings to you, sir. Thanks, buddy. Everyone else listening. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Adventures in Truth podcast. If you would like to listen to more or to explore all our offerings, visit us on the web at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com. We also offer video versions of our podcast. Visit our page on YouTube at Adventures in Truth Podcast. We would love to hear from you. Like, connect, and follow with us on Facebook. Want to book us for your next podcast or to speak at your event? Head over to our webpage at www.adventuresintruthpodcast.com at the bottom of the page and send us a note. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you again at Adventures in Truth Podcast.